Chris on. It's an absolute joy to have Chris and Meryl with us tonight. It really is uh, good to be with you again. Tuesday night with the Phipses. And uh, really looking forward to this weekend as we celebrate the absolute riches that we have in Jesus Christ over this Easter weekend. And uh, uh, we're, having a, we're having a 9 o'clock, nine o'clock uh, service on Friday morning as well as a 9 o'clock service on, on, on Sunday, which is going to be awesome and great. We're going we're to break bread. We're going to have a bit of a teaching around the breaking of bread on Friday morning. And then we're going to break bread, it, bread together as a community. So uh, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a fantastic weekend in the midst of all the chaos that's ensuing. So I look forward to that. All of you bread makers, get your recipes out and get some lovely bread getting made for the family on Friday morning. We're looking forward to that. And uh, also just to, just to give you some background for Chris uh, before we bring him on. Uh, Heather and I joined Lenridge in January of 1995. I was 27 years old. Heather was 25 years old. And uh, within with a, f- a few weeks of us being there, there was this Toronto outpouring of the Spirit of God. And uh, it was wild, to say the least. And uh, Heather, Heather and I were just saying, wow, there was a, there was a, a moment there where we thought cheap is the reason why we stayed in this is because we... The eldership team were so uh, sort of together and knew what was going on. And then we found out later that the eldership team were like, what the hell's going on here? What the heaven's going on here? Let, us, let me say. But it was an absolute intoxicating moment in time. Mm. I think when we, were, when we were there, Chris and Meryl were leading. Mm. And uh, in that short period, I think they left kind of mid-96 or thereabouts. Um, uh, Nadine and Ashley Bell planted 3CR Church. The Bowlses, Leon and Sonia Bowles planted in Brisbane. Uh, who else? Who else planted in that oh, time? Oh, Nigel and Melita planted in in London, London uh, which is now Kingsgate Church. And it was just this phenomenal time. These two mm. mid twenty year olds walking into this every Sunday was like a like an arrow to the heart. It mm. just was absolute phenomenal time. It was a life changing. It was a life changing time. time. And and Chris and Merrill obviously were were the were kind of looking at handing over at that stage, but they had planted this church in the early 80s. And so much of what we have now is because of what Chris and Merrill imparted through the leadership team that they were part of and the team that planted with them. Mm. So it is an absolute joy to have uh, Chris and Merrill with us um, at the moment. So let me, let, me, let me try and get Chris on. There we go. We should be should be coming on shortly. Connecting. Ah, oh, oh, Chris. Chris. There we go. <laughs> can you can you hear us? Hello, Meryl. Hello, Meryl. Perfectly. Hi. Fantastic, man. So wonderful to have you with us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We uh, we weren't sure whether we were on or not, but, but I positioned us to stand behind yes. this picture yes. because that's a Mike McNeekin picture that he painted in 1986 during Cyclone Des Moines. Oh, wow. And we had planted the church wow. from the Anglican chaplain's house that looks out over Howard College. Oh, wow. So it's a very dear, memorable kind of image for us, not just because a friend painted it, but it takes us back to the earliest of early days. We actually lived in a communal house there with Sheena 
and Sharon Robinson and Meryl and I, and then we had our first Glenridge offices right there. So we thought this could be a cool way to position ourselves for today's conversation. <laughs> Brilliant. Great to see you and Fan- hi to everyone else out Fantastic. there. Fantastic, yeah. You should be seeing all the, all the comments and the highs coming through on your screen as well. So you should see some names that you recognize there. that's wonderful so it's fantastic to have you guys man how's lockdown or are you kind of you're not in full lockdown in this in the u.s at the moment are you no fortunately not we were zooming with a south african family and when we heard what you guys are facing we are definitely not there by any stretch of the imagination we are in self-isolation this is america so uh, they uh, really do enjoy giving personal liberty and it's demanded actually so i went out this morning to do some grocery shopping and uh, gloves on and (laughs) it was not a pretty sight i hasten to add meryl did you not get a photo of that (laughs) no because if i was with them i'd be doing the same (laughs) and what's funny stan is i was wearing meryl's plastic gloves so they were too small, and I had this, this blue mask thing over me. It was quite a sight. Oh, uh, wonderful. Eh? How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah, we're coming into day 12 um, of lockdown. Yeah. So it, it's been quite um, quite quiet, actually, for us. We live on Manning Road. You remember good old Manning Road wow, in Glenwood? And um, it's usually quite a busy road, and it's quite quiet. Um, it, it does, there are still cars going along, but it's unerringly sort of quiet. Um, but yeah, it is, it's been a, it's, it's been a great time. Actually, we've had to relearn how to do church online, which has been, um, interesting. I was telling everybody my, my furniture in my house has been dragged from one side of the room to the next as we've tried to find the perfect spot for lighting and the perfect spot for the preach and, Working with the South African Wi-Fi has also been an interesting thing, which you don't have that issue. Yeah. We definitely have that issue. We sort of can't have the children on the Wi-Fi. We've, we've sort of got to position everything, plan everything around that. But, um, but yeah, it's been a whole new way of having to do life, I must say. It's, it's been – I think it's the strange thing is, is that it's um, chatting to people all over the world and we're all doing the same thing. It's, it's quite a unifying – event yeah. even in its disconnectedness of us in the flesh you know it's, it's been an it's been an interesting dynamic you know the 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 only similarity that i could possibly pull from our history was at the tail end of the apartheid era we as an eldership at glenridge had to position ourselves for a best or a worst case scenario Mm. And the best case scenario was that everything powers in the transition as before in fact the role of the church was more important because there was uncertainty in every area, political, social, economic, and so on. But what, what if it was the worst case scenario? What if um, they shut the churches down? Mm. And uh, I remember being in the old Glenridge house and sitting as an eldership and said, said that if we, if we had to do that and we basically had to shred our database of the thousand or so people, um, would Glenridge exist? And it was quite a sober moment because sentimentally we'd say, oh, heck yeah, we'd be fabulous. But what if we'd built around systems and programs and structures rather than relationships and people? Mm. What if we would struggle to stay above water, so to speak? So it, it has flashed through my mind a few sure. times yeah. that this is not 
Yeah. Not dissimilar, you know, will the church exist if we take away the systems and structures we're so dependent on? Yeah. And I think you guys have built fabulously well. And uh, mm-hmm. I have no doubt that the community is standing strong and steadfast and mm-hmm. um, in the pain and their vulnerability, enjoying the adventure of, of uh, church outside of the, of the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, phenomenal. eh? And I think the diversity of the congregation has proved quite challenging. Um, So you have some people who do have um, technology and then you have quite a large number of people who have very minimal technology, if any at all. And data um, in particular, access to data. Yeah. So it's been an interesting dynamic. Um, It's been so wonderful to see the home group leaders, the home groups that have got supplying those that don't have, um, sending wow. people data on their phones, you know, sending them money for shops and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, it's really been a, it's been a beautiful um, community moment, actually. And it's exactly that, Chris. You sort of realize how well your community is built. Um, yeah. Is it just the leaders or is it actually your whole community that um, mm. rallies? And it's been beautiful to see actually the whole community coming forward. It's been a wonderful thing. Phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, it has been, been amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, it's been great. But Chris, I thought uh, it would be a great opportunity. We, obviously, you guys were meant to be here in April, 26th of April. Yep. You were meant to be with us. It's so sad. So sad that you're not. <laughs> but uh, we thought, well, why don't we just take a moment? And since we can do this with technology, is to get some, get some nuggets from you, get, mm. from, get some history from you, get some future, kind of speak to, to the future of Glenridge, speak to the roots of Glenridge. Um, I was even thinking the other this morning today, you know, where did we get the name Glenridge from? You know, that yeah. was kind of, uh, it's, it often gets spoken about. Where did that come from? Did you come from Glenwood and, you know, kind of all those things? But just for you to, to tell us some of your story. I know you're planting, you're planting again now. You're 60 years old or so. Are you 60 yet? And you're planting another church at the age of 60. What a, oh, what a, phenomenal, what a phenomenal thing. Uh, Meryl, I don't know if you, you're probably not 60 yet. I'm sure you're not. not. You're not. You're still in your early 50s. But, but Meryl was 42 for about four years. <laughs> exactly. So Meryl, you're so, still catching so. up, which is okay, which is fine, you know. <laughs> Listen, so, even planting a church in your 50s is not for the faint-hearted. Yeah. No, oh, no, it's very... Oh, come on. Oh, no. There we go. There we go. So what is amazing to me is um, I have great fondness for our, our foundation um, in Glenridge, I mean, it was 1983, I was teaching at DHS, and um, there were about 40 of us left from the Invisible Church era, and uh, we just loved each other, Patrick and Cheryl and Doug and Terry and Linda and the Katsudises, and so the list goes on. And uh, we just kind of thought it was glorious ignorance, let's plant a church, how hard can that be? (laughs) And uh, we just had fun. I mean, honestly, there was beauty and bliss in, in our absolute ignorance, I'd never read the Bible through, and I was the, 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 the big cheese I had to teach. And one of the more cute moments is in those early years, I would frapple up my notes and throw them away because I knew I'd never preach them again. You know? <laughs> um, it, was, it was gloriously chaotic and wild and fun, and no one was peeping over our shoulders. So we had an adventure, and we experimented 
with what church could look like in our generation. And I think the seed of that, Stan, really gripped my heart. You know where it says in the book of Acts that David served the purposes of God in his generation. And I think there is the sense that every generation has the architecture of church in their hearts. Uh, The problem is, as that generation gets older, that architecture remains unchanged. And so we get the young and the, uh, in our case, millennials and Gen Zs who are are kind of chewing at the bit to have their turn to architect a church based on what's buzzing inside of them. Mm. But we can easily minimize the power, wonder, and the curiosity of that by staying and sticking in a rhythm that worked for us in our generation. So mm-hmm. Genridge really was birthed with an enormous amount of fun and adventure and curiosity. And you know, we built it mm-hmm. around four simple words. Mm-hmm. We weren't clever enough to have big words. It was to be real. It was to be relational. It was to be radical. And it was to be relevant, meaning it had to be missionally engaged. Well, why don't you jump in on mm-hmm. the real side? Because <laughs> that's something very dear to you. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I remember when we, I was terrified to plant a church. She was terrified. 21. I, I was absolutely terrified. And I remember God speaking to us and making it clear that we were to plant. And then I remember saying to Chris, you know, love, as long as I can be me and as long as I can be honest and real and not have to pretend or try and be something that I'm not. Mm. And fortunately, the group we were with never made us anything that we weren't. We all knew each other really well. We were all very honest and real. And that was the freedom that we kind of planted Glenridge in. And I remember years later, Chris saying, you know, the road to holiness is honesty and vulnerability. And I think that was beautiful because Mm -hmm. that's what we were in those early days. We were just real. We were just Mm -hmm. honest. We were vulnerable. When we struggled, we struggled. If we had marital issues, we told people. It was just gloriously free. And, um, yeah, I think it was just a beautiful, beautiful journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic and beautiful. And we didn't know, guys, we didn't know what would happen with Glenridge. The name came from a simple synergy of Glenwood and the rich because we had this huge dream. Remember, I was 24, Mira was 21, and we had this huge dream that we were going to have a church that will one day impact Durban. I mean, that was the extent of our dream. (laughs) Meeting Dudley and the whole kind of global assignment came later. And so we prided ourselves of being geographically significant with a commitment to see our city impacted for Jesus. (laughs) And we felt that that word embraced the context and the culture that God had asked us to, to reach. So now I look back and, I mean, I said to um, to the guys, all of you after us, you can change the name. There's no sentimental attachments to it. But for us, it was a very powerful anchoring space that God had called us to the city, for the city, in the city, to help bring change, uh, to make Durban a better place, you know, for the Amazing. common good. Mm. And we try to live that out. I remember when we started a... Um, a, uh, a house in the then Point Road area, mm-hmm. the red light district, to love on the children of prostitutes. Mm-hmm. I remember the church, interestingly enough, the broader church being somewhat really agitated by that notion, feeling we were validating sex workers, which we weren't. We just felt for those kids who were growing up in such a dysfunctional environment. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing the opening of this house with the mayor, Mayor Lipschitz at the time and uh, 
just and he was so curious he was this secular jew who could not believe that we wanted to engage the city at that level in those dark dark spaces but i think wow. it reflected that that heartbeat of Durban needs to be a better place because we're there. Mm. If yeah. we close and it makes no difference to Durban, then we really have wasted our time. It's kind of been for us for no more. Or yeah. it can be this vibrant, healthy, growing, impacting community, yeah. less less fussed by our gatherings and more fussed by our service. Yeah. So that's where the name came from. Amazing. Amazing. Sure. Phenomenal. Your big dream to impact between the Ridge and Glenwood. <laughs> Just this. <laughs> Exactly where we start. <laughs> exactly That's there. On the ridge. That's it. Exactly it. Eh? That's amazing. Oh, no, and I, I, I've got a, I've got a, que- I've got a question here from somebody. Let me just bring it up. Um, there we go. What was the one pro of your youthfulness you believed impacted the church? Um, I think that uh, the amazing sacrifice Jesus paid on the on the cross for us warrants us living a radical life that's why even though I am 61 and Meryl's much 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 younger um, <laughs> but 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 to plant another church to impact new lives to see people's context and world being transformed I mean surely the cross and the, the, the radical uh, God holding nothing back for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so radical was his perfect love for us that he was prepared to be sacrificial um, in, in every way so I wanted to live a life uh, stand here that, that reflected that until the day I died mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have a really good decade I don't want to have a really good few decades and then I get to middle age and then I get older, and then I then, then Jesus is no longer compelling for me. I love Jesus, and I love the church. Yeah. I absolutely love the church. God in His kindness has given me a beautiful wife and two beautiful daughters. And uh, whenever He wants to speak to me, He uses kind of familial uh, imagery and metaphor. And um, even now, my eldest daughter, Nas, who and her husband have planted a church in Perth, Australia, but I miss her every day. Every day I want to see her. Every day I want to encounter. But they've said yes to Jesus in a city that is mm. uh, secular by the United Nations definition. And so that sense of the love that I have for the church, I can't just say, well, I've loved the church for a few decades. Now it's my time to chill out. Yeah. That's now good, I'm Chris. just going to go on holiday and I'm just going to live a boring, selfish self-existence. No, how can I do that? Jesus is <laughs> yeah. so compelling. Yeah. His bride is so beautiful. Yeah. I want to give my last breath to her. And uh, so it's that radicalism that seeded me in those early days. And uh, I, I, I can't find mediocrity compelling. There's no high value mm. in living a mediocre life around me and my family and my little world. Mm. That Jesus of the cross, uh, he's far more magnificent than that. Yeah, I would have said in early days um, that it was, you know, the radical kind of obedience, just it was easy to kind of obey. But I must say the thing that I've loved about Chris is that that, that's never changed. I thought it was youthfulness, but actually, (laughs) honestly, it never changed. Yeah. It's amazing. He's radical today and as enthusiastic and passionate about the church yeah. and i think that's beautiful wonderful um, it's been amazing wonderful there
And, and speaking of family, you're talking about the family ethic or family motive, motif that you use. Speak, Meryl, speak something about how ministry and your family and your kids, I know, you're, I know your kids are wonderfully serving God and I mean, you must have had some tough times and tough decisions to make. How, what, what, how, did, you, how did you process that as you were um, having kids to uh, kind of where you are now where they're kind of nearly off your hands or off your hands, you know? Yeah, we actually have a son at home. Uh, son at home still. Yeah. They never leave you. They, they're right here. They're in the heart. They, they never go away. Yeah, yeah. I think, honestly, being a mother has been one of the greatest gifts that God gave. And then being a family has been incredible. What I loved about Chris's fathering is that he always would tell the kids from little. I mean, they were just little acts. He would say to them, driving to Glenridge, Sunday mornings, he'd say, Guys, isn't this amazing? We get to love God's people. Mm. And he would kind of draw them in on the fact that it was team. it was team, you know, it was it was us. We led and we served and we yeah. got the privilege of, you know, loving God's people. Wonderful. So I think that was part of the catalyst for our family is that it was an integrated space. It wasn't kind of church was over there and family was here it was this is what we do this is our lives this is mm. everything mm. so our girls did they grew up in the glenridge days i mean honestly for me the biggest privilege about community and you know especially church community is the fact that you give your children older uh, role models mm. passionate jesus lovers that are people that are close in age to them and they get to see um what it looks like to be passionate about mm. Jesus. So our girls as little ones, um, oh, Lee yeah, Lee Wilkinson, Sandy Lauf, Sandy Lauf, mm. these yeah. are incredible girls there as role models to our girls. This is what mm. it looks like. Oh, I can, you know, be like that. And, and then later, obviously coming here, Southlands, the role models that we had here, I think has been, you know, has been beautiful. Um, I think one precious gifts as a parent is when your children you see them activate their own faith yeah you know that's a beautiful moment and i think you know yes you can disciple them and teach them and you know you know do things like that but the biggest thing to me is your model yeah. is what do you model for your kids and you know i didn't even think about that in the early days but my girls would say mom you know every day when we got up you and dad were sitting you know in different rooms but reading the bible we we could hear you praying and i think it's the modeling i i don't think it's as much what you say as as much what you do you know yeah. how you wow. kind of demonstrate your faith in daily life yeah and we wanted our kids to know guys that we love jesus more than them um i think there's so much children idolatry today that um you know the the child defines family reality Mm. when uh, no Jesus is our reality Jesus mm. is the one we love and we told our kids you know mm. that he we love them we love him more than we love them and uh, because one day they'll leave us as they must but Jesus will never leave us yeah and uh, sometimes we make decisions for Jesus that is inconvenient we missed birthdays we missed, missed anniversaries and and key school functions I, I never saw Nas swim at a school meet you know mm. um and yet they told me she was a really good swimmer. But there were times we were traveling, preaching the gospel somewhere in the world. And, and that was okay. She, mm. she knew that I loved her. We loved her. 
And I remember we were in Delhi when she ran her first um, uh, athletic race. And uh, we didn't, there was pre-cell phones, so we were in the YMCA in New Delhi. And we called home, how did it go? And she was all excited and had asked if Hendon, my brother, could be there in my place. And I said, of course. And uh, Dad, Mom, I won. I won my race. And we were like, oh, that's amazing, amazing. And then we put the phone down and fell on the floor uh, and wept, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but, but Jesus had to be more important because if we put something ahead of Jesus, it gives them permission to put something ahead of Jesus in their own lives. And we didn't want to give them that. That wasn't a gift we wanted to give them. Jesus is completely compelling and the priority for us. Mm. And that same Nass now has planted a church in Perth. Mm. Yeah, she's an amazing little thing. She, um, they've, been, they've been married for 15 years now, have four kids, moved country, planted a church, and then decided she wanted to go to university to become a nurse because she wanted to be in a midwife. Uh, she loved the experience so much. that and, and kudos to Mark. I mean, as a church planter, he let his wife go to full-time university to go and study with their four kids and planting a church. So we're kind of proud of them, if you mm. haven't noticed. Mm. Wow, Amazing. brilliant. Eh? And then you've got Dana and Stu with you there. Yep, they yeah. are. Amazing. Stu, for those of you who don't know, uh, his parents led Victory Faith Centre as it was back in the day, or Red Point Church. And then they planted in the UK, and Stu moved to the UK when he was about 10 and grew up there. And then he and Dana met. And um, I wasn't for the relationship for a while, to be honest. But uh, it's actually proven to be a phenomenal marriage. Mm. They joined us in our little church plant. We purposely didn't try and recruit them. They were very involved in a community here in Costa Mesa. But they joined us a year later, and they are just delightful. They've given us their first little, their son, our our little grandson. He may pop in here in just a bit. In fact, speaking of which, we 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 want to bring the boy child. Is he sleeping? So come on, come on, this is a family moment. Let me show off my little grandson. What's up, big guy? And so they are here with us in Costa Mesa. And Tian, our son, who may stumble down the stairs in a moment, is studying in San Diego. Uh, but the universities are closed, so he's doing virtual online. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's great. It's wonderful to see the kids kind of find their own spiritual reality and their own story. Wonderful. Amazing. Wow, wonderful, that's amazing. wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful, What man. is the name of your church called, Chris? So we call Genesis, and um, the, the kind of official registered name is Genesis Collective, but it has two pieces to it. The one is our community, which we planted two and a half months ago, and I am a church plant uh, zealot. <laughs> uh, I think we've discovered something. That is really beautiful. When we were set out to plant, I, I was re- I was 57 then when I felt God starting to stir it in me. And I said, really, Lord, I'm too old. Church planting is a young man's game. And uh, hang on, let me just come over here. Here's Dana and our little grandson, Leander. Oh, hey, Dana, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. gosh. Look at the smile. Family moments crashing your life. Oh, oh no. so How are you, Dana? Are you well? So well, thank you. I Very grateful you. to have family close during this quarantine. I can sure, imagine. I can imagine. Eh? We saw you making bread the other day. 
Oh, yeah. I got to keep the community values going. So we're all making bread by our cyber, cyber connections. There you go. <laughs> I was, I'm sure it was very helpful for people. Oh, yeah. Well, it's wonderful to see you guys. Lovely to see you too. Come and visit us in South Africa when you can. Oh, my goodness. We'd love to. Bye. Bye, guys. Yeah, so we just very simply, Stan, we, you know, I I, I was so curious. I said, Lord, what are you doing? You know, church planning is a young man's game, and and I'm busy, and Meryl's a, a marriage and family therapist, and she's busy. And I'm traveling the world preaching and teaching and helping coach church leaders. And um, let me interrupt. Here's my son. We've dragged him down to come and say hi. Hey, T. Hey, T. How are you, bro? Hi. Uh, how are you guys? So cool. Well. So good to see you. Yeah, you too. Do you know Stan and Heather? Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. got it. We what's, what's, what's that above your lip there, bro? Hey, it's my quarantine stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not November yet, eh? It's still only yeah, April. Yeah, April, yeah I'm, getting a, I'm getting a head start. <laughs> a long head start. <laughs> it's so cool to what see you, you, bro. What are you studying in San Diego? Um, communications. So it's, oh. it's specifically like organizational communications, which is all about like, like businesses and and organizations and how communication work. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's pretty weird because communications is, is a weird major to teach online. Yes. Yeah. You know, like I have a public speaking class and now we have to do our speeches online into a, into like, into a computer screen. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's a new dynamic for sure. But, I can imagine. Uh, it's wow. Fun. I like being home and um, yeah, I get to see all the family. And That's free great. Food, just cool. Great food, bro. That's Great where it's food. at. Great yeah. food, bro. Seriously, that's the best part. <laughs> Keep Dana baking. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. No, between Dana and my mom, my gosh, the the food never runs out. And although he's 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 getting there, he's become a pretty good cook in the last Ooh. few years. Well uh, that's there we go, Chris. There yeah. we go, bro. That's great. His lemon chicken is is famous among our family. <laughs> oh, it's great oh, that's to fantastic. see you. Yeah. Great to Thanks see you for too. coming down. Yeah. Thanks for of saying course, hi, bro. Bless you. Anyway, so, you know, it just was so interesting, guys, because I'll be brief on this one. I just said, okay, Lord, if you want me to plant, what, what, what's the idea here? And, and the idea was really to build a community around this, the, the idea of being biblical, relational, reproducible, because yeah. we've still got 7.2 billion people on the planet of which over 2.3 billion have never heard the precious name of Jesus. Mm. Just been in the Near East, and there's 400,000 people there in the stuns. 400,000, that's more than the population of the United States. And an estimated 2,000 Christians, including missionaries. So Christian workers and believers, Mm. 2,000. So think on any given Sunday morning, one mega church in the United States has more people there than a whole region of 400 million people. It's Mm. absolutely mind-blowing. So it had to be biblical, relational, reproducible. We've got to take it anywhere in the world. Yeah, It's got to be affordable because we haven't got money to raise 50,000 for every church plant. Yeah, And it had to be missional. It's got to live for reasons beyond itself. And so as I began to explore that, reading Acts 2, 36 Mm. to 47, over and over and over again, I said, Lord, I've read this for 40 years. What am I not seeing? And a couple of things emerged, but one of them was this idea, this is for you, your children, and those who are far away. And I said, okay, if this is 
for me, but for my children. T's 21, 20, Dana is 31. Would you give us a church in that age group? And that's our demography. Wow. I'm by far the oldest. I'm the old bullet in the cap. <laughs> wow. I'm and sure. then it says, for you, your children, and for those who are far away. And I said, well, who's far away? And it's those who've tapped out of church. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But, but Lord, can we create a fresh hunger and a thirst and a zeal for this beautiful bride called the church? Yes, she's given us some sleepless nights. Yes, she's rebelled and mm. gone through her teenage years and said bad things and done bad things. Mm. But she's still beautiful and she's still his bride. Wow. And so that's what we did. We just started around the dining room table here in our home in Costa Mesa. And uh, we got to about 40 people in our home. And then that got a little bit chunky. But we just kept, kept the dining room table front and center, mm. which architecturally or archaeologically for the first 1,500 years the center of even church architecture was the table, was the yeah. mass. You yeah. know? It was only the reformers who brought the pulpit front and mm. center. Anyway, so we're having fun, guys. I'm enjoying Amazing. it. We've got this delightful little community. We love eating together. We're enjoying them enormously. And mm. um, I'm hoping to inspire others. My, my new mantra is if you've got a dining room table, you can plant a church. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I like it. I, I like think it. that's your old mantra, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't changed mantra. No, that's it. It's the same mantra. You go to you go to marriage counselling and you come out wanting to plant a church. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we got a few we got a few possibilities. If there are any of uh, the, the Glenridge types who want to join the adventure, there's some cool places and spaces opening. Wonderful, for sure. wonderful. wonderful, phenomenal, wonderful. phenomenal. We're so excited. You know, Graham and Emmy were on eldership with us, and they. Yeah. Just moved to Cincinnati, so we're very excited. It was our just in the sort of at the end of our faith series. It was this beautiful um, demonstration of actually, no, we've got faith to go and plant a church. It was very wow. exciting. Yeah. yeah. So we are watching the space. Obviously, lockdown has changed things a little bit for them, but um, they're also just so so amazed at the hunger of people out there for the authentic real church yeah. um and actually we do dining room christianity is just not the norm yeah. where they've gone yeah. so it's just such a beautiful no, opportunity not. for them to mm. just be living normal lives what we think is normal but it's actually not so yeah. normal out there wonderful no, it's not yeah wow. no, it's not amazing i see taryn wiggly's just said count us in taryn we got you taryn we've got, we've got you. a place we've got you you and greg you and greg are all and the girls <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chris, speak, speak something about speak, speak to Glenridge, speak to to us in the season. I mean, you know the journey. We've been in touch here and there, and and uh, speak to us as a church as we as we kind of plot the future forward in this next season. Yeah, thank you, thank you. There's a book by Phyllis Tickle. Uh, I haven't finished reading it, so I don't know if I can recommend it, but it's called The Great Emergence. And her theory is that every 500 years, the church has to do spring cleaning, has to do a garage sale, yeah. in which it's accumulated all this extra stuff. And God uses a moment of international calamity. And this was written before this pandemic. Yeah. But that God uses an international uh, moment, a crisis, uh, which forces the church to reevaluate everything we do and say, like we do with the garage sale, 
my gosh, what, where did all this stuff come from? Yeah. Why are we doing all this stuff, you know? And uh, then we get rid of it. And, and, and we re-architect and re- recalibrate around that crisis. Mm. And I think the same thing is true globally, Stan. I think, I mean, you know, you're involved globally. But there definitely is a pause. I think we were all caught off guards. Mm-hmm. As Nick Hardy says, why didn't the prophets warn us? And I thought, well, it's great to hear from you, brother, the prophet. <laughs> why didn't you tell us? Yeah. You know? Uh, but it seems like there wasn't a lot of pre-forewarning in this whole pandemic. But not to lose compassion or empathy for those who are sick or for those who have lost loved ones in it. But there is a prophetic curiosity for all of us to say, God, what are you trying to get uh, our attention for? One, about you. Mm. What about you are we neglecting, forgetting or ignoring? And this moment actually disorientates us as the social structures and systems are imploding around us. What about you have we forgotten? And I wonder, Stan, if, you know, where Proverbs says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. I love preaching grace. I'm a grace man, but not at the expense of the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And I, and I think there is, I, I was praying the other day, we've got a beautiful place out the back here where I go and pray. And I said, Lord, what are you trying to tell us? And I felt the Spirit of God say to me, um, I'm serious about this. Mm. And, and I thought, oh, I, I would have expected many. I would have expected something like, I really love you or, you know, something yeah. more sentimental. But, but I felt God I'm serious about the things that I've spoken about. I'm serious about them. Mm. And I think there is a seriousness at the, the kind of the, the throne of grace that God is using this time to grab our attention mm. about the things that he's spoken to us about personally. Mm. Uh, there is definitely a drift of holiness uh, where grace sometimes lets us meander away from holiness. Uh, we, we, I know what Titus says, that the grace of God is given so that we can teach us to say no to ungodliness. But grace can sometimes just let us drift into compromised lives. Mm. And I think God is saying, actually, I'm quite serious about this. I want the riverbanks of holiness to be restored to the church. Wow. Mm. Then I think, secondly, uh, what does your church need to look like when you come out of this? Mm. Uh, The Praxis Journal put out a great article in which, this was a few weeks ago, in which they said... This is one of three things they said. It can be a blizzard, which is a couple of weeks. Hang in there. Hold on. This is all going to be over soon. Or two, this will be a winter, three to five months. It can be a mild winter or a deep winter. And uh, we're going to have to deal with the season of darkness. We were chatting with Mark Sayers on Thursday, and he was saying that this is uh, the middle of the night, but there is a, a dawn coming. Mm. But what is that night there for? Yeah. And then the third thing the Praxis Journal said was that uh, this could be an ice age or a mini ice age, and they give their reasons. And I think, Stan, you know, the question I came away with as I mulled over that is what do we want our church to look like? Um, mm. We can do cute things, and we are. We've got the Friday afternoon Instagram live around the kitchen table, teaching yeah. people to cook. We've got this fitness challenge in the community. Everyone's trying to be fitter than everyone else. They're fun things, and I love that. But if we come out of this time, be it five months' time or be it two years' time, and the only thing we've things we've done is that we've been cute or we've survived, I think there'd be a, a sadness in my heart. Mm. And so we've identified the things that we want Genesis to be strong and healthy about, 
at the end of five months or two years. And so my appeal to Glenridge is to say the things that God wants to put his finger on during this time, would you give yourselves to that with an element of urgency? I think for some, it does mean callings that have been put on the shelf. Mm. Um, 60% of our community have lost their jobs. Mm. But if it is an axe moment where they're scattering, and this time the scattering is because of disease and because of economics, then maybe it's a time for us to brush off the dust on our callings and to say, okay, God, you have called me yeah. to be dot, dot, dot. Yeah. You've called me to do dot, dot, dot. Brilliant. And I was busy and I had a great job and mm. we had good money and, and we lived in a great house and everything was really cool and sexy. So why would I want to change it? No, I don't. And suddenly all that gets taken away. I lose mm. my job. There's mm. uncertainty about my mortgage and my yeah. house. And what if... In the midst of that pain and trauma, it is God using the moment to catch our attention and say, you know, I spoke to you about church planting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I spoke to you about moving internationally. You know, I spoke to you about that nonprofit mm. or working in the townships or something. And you've put it on hold, put it on hold, put it on hold. Mm. And now I'm serious. Yeah. Mm. Take the dust off Beautiful. and embrace the calling. And embrace the moment and let the moment and the calling come together for great kingdom advancement. Beautiful. So um, that's, mm. I, I think we're going to have some great God stories at the end of this. But we've had to be disorientated. We've had to fall on the lap of faith because of mm. the uncertainty and the uncontrollability of mm. the moment. Mm. Um, but I think we're going to fall into the arms mm. of faith wow. and find new language and new form for the adventures which lie ahead of us. Outstanding. I think, yeah, what's really um, interesting in this season is um, obviously as a therapist, I'm dealing with it, but people are grieving, you know. Mm. I don't know if you felt that, but it, there's a sense of loss mm. of mm. what normalcy, a yeah. loss of what we've always known to be the world. Yeah. Mm. And it, I think it's shaken all of us, which is not a bad thing, reevaluate and all that that I think is so wonderful. But there is a bit of a grieving going on. And the funny mm. thing is the grieving cycle is, you know, denial, bargaining, anger, um, uh, sadness. sadness, and then acceptance. Mm. But Tesla added a new one, and that's meaning. Mm. And, you know, I, I agree with Chris. I just think actually we all have been shaken by this. Mm. Um, there is some grieving, grieving, you know, just the sense of, wow, this is... It's, it's taken me a while to adjust to mm. the world. It changed. Mm. It just did that. Mm. And uh, makes me think how God coming back will, will be just like that. Yeah, the world yeah. will be, we'll see him, you know. Phenomenal. But the meaning part, I, I wonder if God isn't boiling this all down to let us all ask what, you know, what does this mean? And what is the meaning of my life? What, what does it all mean? Wow. Amazing. That's amazing. Phenomenal. Absolutely mm. amazing. Wonderful. That's amazing. Sure. Testing times, testing times, but proving times. I think you know, mm. and yeah. a, and a, and a, it's it's just so disorientating. It's 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 um, it's disturbing, but it's exhilarating at the same time. It's quite a difficult mm. season to actually explain yeah. when you kind of find the heart of God mm. in these moments. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually yeah. exhilarating yeah. what God's going to do in this mm. time mm. in the church. Yeah, you know, Stan. Yeah, uh, Mark was saying. Mark Sayers was saying on Thursday. He said, every major awakening, revival, renewal, reformation uh, has been characterized by two things. The one is crisis, 
And the other is what he calls passionate contending prayer. Yeah. And um, I, I think I think we have an opportunity for both. This is a crisis. It's yeah. a global crisis. Yeah. And the church's response can almost be passivity or surrender. You know, yeah. while we're in this, we're going to just make the most of it. Yeah. Or, wow, I have some time to read the scriptures. I have yeah. some time to fast and pray. I have some time to, to kind of lay hold in the heavenlies. And, um, I mean, all of us, I'm sure it's true for you guys. I mean, at the end of a week, we are fried. You know, <laughs> never worked as hard as I am right it's now. unbelievable, I mean, yeah. I have some... A young guy, we, we, we zooming into our little small groups. We divided the church up into tens and we zoomed together. And one of our guys said, he's about 24, he said, oh, I'm so exhausted. I said, AJ, what have you been doing? And he said, I've been playing video games. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and lots of nothing. Yeah. I mean, and he says, you know, I have naps. He said, I have naps. But, but I had to say, I mean, everyone laughed because it's like, how can you be exhausted from doing all that? Yes. But actually, there's a spiritual war happening around us that is very foreign to us. It's hard to yeah. put words, phrases, and ideas to it. Yes. But nevertheless, it's incredibly real. And mm. it's producing a spiritual exhaustion yeah. that is surprising all of us. But it gives us an indication of the war we're in, mm. what we are contending for, Phenomenal. and uh, how imperative it is for us to mobilize our spiritual energy and really take hold of uh, the enemy who is real, who wants mm. to rob, kill, and to destroy, who has very clear strategies against our people to drift them yeah. uh, into isolation and segregation and uh, to fight on their behalf, mm. ushering them back into the paddocks of the great shepherd. So yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. No, that's, that's very, very helpful. helpful there. Mm. Unbelievably helpful there. Yeah. Sure. What were you saying, babe? No, that's oh. just very helpful. No, that's incredible, though, guys. You guys are an absolute blessing. You know? We're so sad that you're not going to be with us in April, man. Oh, no. We were so yeah. looking forward to to the church meeting the, what are you, like Founders. grandparents or I don't know. I mean, great, <laughs> oh, no, not great grandparents. I don't know what, what you are, you know. But, uh, but just to, just the heart that, uh, and we trust that we will, as this generation, continue with that heart mm. of, being radical, being relevant, being missional, being outward focused, being re- continue to be relational, mm. and uh, and just continue. What was the third? What was the fourth R? It was uh, relevant, relevant, relational, was, radical, yeah. radical. Yeah, just that Real. we would do that. You know, you'll be interested, Chris and Merrill. We had our leaders weekend recently, and um, we had Anton and Ange Cater who came and spent the weekend with us. It was so amazing. And the very first thing he tells us is he said, um, as an, we met with us as an eldership team, as he said, um, remember that in your roots, you're a radical church. That's yeah. what he told us. Yeah. So it's just so yeah. lovely that, that, that God is just reminding us of, of the very things that you put into the roots of Glenridge. Um, and that yeah. that's what God is, that's what we are holding on to, you know, and building upon those things. So we're very grateful. Yeah. Very Thank grateful. you. We're very grateful. Yeah, you know, uh, Heather, the thing that we always loved about Glenridge was that it was very rarely spoken of as Chris and Merrill's church. I mean, yeah. other churches, it was oh, Rob and Glenda or so mm. and so on. Mm. But, but for some reason, it was always Glenridge. Mm. It was 
There was something about our roots that was communal. It was us. It was who we were. It mm. wasn't what Chris and Merrill were trying to do with a bunch of sheepies dragging behind. Mm. It was crafting a narrative and shaping it through shared values that that that, that authored that mm. radicalism. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to commend you as I said mm. to Stan this morning. You know, sociologically. Most organizations, which includes the church, loses its way around the third or fourth generation. Mm. Um, in, the, in the kind of hyperbole of, of development, it's at its most vulnerable in that transition where it can easily lose its early moorings and drift into a kind of a nuanced uh, 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 mediocrity. Mm. And uh, what I have loved, albeit at a distance, is seeing how that vulnerable moment, it was there. It was a moment where the church could have slowly decayed into mediocrity, but the decision was made by you guys and by the team with you that that was not going to happen, mm. that uh, she was going to hold true to the origins of her call, the lampstand, if you wish, that God raised up in uh, Glenridge and uh, return her and hold that, not mm. preoccupied by the past, not overly enamored mm. by the past. The past was good, but the future is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what God has for you, uh, as I've watched, particularly in the city and your engagement around multiculturalism mm. and an inner city church in South Africa is, is, is not an easy assignment, but you've mm. held strong in that, in that role. Um, you've committed yourself to, to leadership growth and development, to church planting, to a community of robust people that reflect the city that you're serving, and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I truly commend you and those who are listening and watching. Uh, We are incredibly proud of you um, as you have rediscovered what God's intention was, not Chris and Merrill's intention, Mm -hmm. what God's intention was in the formation years of the community. And you've you've adapted that and put it into the context and the world in which you're ministering right now. And we couldn't be prouder. We couldn't be more delighted with what we're seeing you guys doing. So Mm. a huge thank you for holding the dream and making Mm. it relevant and appropriate and authentic today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's hugely, hugely encouraging. Thank you. That's wonderful. Well, just it's been an absolute privilege to have you with us, guys. Uh, We... Instagram's going to cut us off. They've got a limit of 60 minutes, and I can't believe it's been nearly 60 minutes already. Wow. It's gone so quickly. But um, it really has been an honor to have you with us. Thanks for taking the time. Mm. And we look forward to when you're back in South Africa again to try and get you back into, back into Glenridge so That'd that uh, the greater community Thanks. can enjoy you. Mm. But bless Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Eh? Thank you for the invite. Really yeah, we loved it. it. And hi to everyone who's watching Lovely to this. see you guys. Yeah, so. fantastic. So Thank you. you. We'll give Ken and Laws a big hug for you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when we can. When yeah, we can. When we can. <laughs> yes, when we can. <laughs> yeah. And for those that have been with us, thank you so much for watching yeah. and being with us. It's been great to see so many people on the, on the, on the Instagram live here. Mm-hmm. And we will... We'll catch you next time. Mm. Thanks. Bless eh? you, Chris and Merrill. Eh? Bless you. Have a have a good day. Bye-bye. Cheers, man. Bye bye.